Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for today's podcast. Hey, before we jump into the podcast, I want to give you some information about some meetings that are up and coming. These are meetings for church leaders of all types, all shapes, all sizes. On May 30th, I will be in Spokane, Washington, and we'll be doing an all-day leadership uh, at Rick Sharkey's church. And this information is on my webpage, geraldbrooksministries.com. On June 11th, I will be in Las Cruces. And on June 25th in New Braunfels and July 9th in Roanoke. Now, all of these dates and locations and times are on my webpage. So in Spokane, Las Cruces, New Braunfels, and Roanoke, it gives you an opportunity for you as a leader and those of you who have other leaders around you to come and to be a part. These are absolutely free, but I'm telling you, we will raise the level of leader in that room. So if you will uh, jump online and look at those that are in your area and join us. Hey, today I want to talk to you about leadership from God's perspective leadership from God's perspective. At our church, we are about to start a school of leadership. See, I have traveled the nation and I have taught leadership for nearly 30 years. And one of the things that I know is that we must raise up leaders. And so our school of leadership is going to raise up leaders in society, in business, and church. Why are we doing this? Because secular leadership has failed us. I say it everywhere. The world can teach you skills of leadership, but it cannot teach you the heart of leadership. See, the absence of God from the leadership equation ultimately leads to disappointment. So today we're going to look at leadership from God's perspective. Leadership from God's perspective. We're not going to Barnes and Noble and getting the latest study on leadership. We're not pulling the individual that is a a success in one area of their life, but a total failure in another area of their life. And then talking about leadership from there, we want to see leadership from God's perspective. Because without God as a part of the leadership equation, leadership eventually will lead to levels of disappointment. So what I'm going to do is give you an exegetical view of leadership. Now, for those of you unfamiliar, exegetical means to pull out. And what I'm going to do is we are going to go through a series of verses in Romans that are basically God through the Apostle Paul teaching leadership. So in Romans chapter 11 and verse 29, it says this, that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. The first thought, God's giving you a gift which you are responsible for. What I know is that everybody has been given a gift. Everyone has been put on this planet for a reason. 
There's something that you're here for. There's a reason that you're on this planet. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than your schedule. It is something that will add to the equation of what God wants to do in this world and in other people's lives. This last week, I was teaching our church on Sunday morning, and one of the things that I looked at them is that I told, I said, everyone in here, you've been given three gifts. You've been given time. You've been given talent, and you've been given treasure. One day, I am going to stand before our Lord and Savior Jesus, and I will give an account for the time he gave me, the talent he gave me, and the treasure. Did I use it so that this world would be impacted in whatever way God wanted my life to impact it to help others? But I looked at them, and I said, everyone in here, doesn't matter if you sell life insurance. It doesn't matter if you're in a position where uh, you're in auto repair. It doesn't matter if you're in a position where you're IT. One day you're going to stand before God and you are going to give an account of your time, your talent, and your treasure. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, see, God says that the gifts and callings, two things, gifts are divine enabling. They are things that you would not have without God's hand being involved. Callings are divine attitudes. So one deals with the abilities of God on you. The other one deals with the attitudes within you. And they have to be coupled together because to have great Abilities with a selfish attitude means you will never achieve. To have a great attitude but to never recognize your ability means you may never achieve. So here's what God says. It says that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And what this says is that you may be confused. You may not think that you add anything to the big picture. You may think that you don't add anything to what God wants to do in this planet. You may think that your gifts and whatever you're good at, that it really doesn't amount to anything. But God's not confused. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. You may be confused about your gift, but God is not. You may be thinking, why would God use me? But God has a reason. You may be thinking that you'd be the last person in the world that he would ever use, but God has has a reason. And no matter how bad your life may appear to you, God's not changing his mind. That's what that verse says. He's given you abilities. He has an attitude he wants you to live with. And those abilities and attitudes are so that you can accomplish something for him. One day you will stand before God. One day you will give an account for how you used those gifts, those abilities, and how you administered them through that calling, that attitude. So God's not confused. He's not giving up. He's not saying, man, you know, I, I, I obviously gifted the wrong person. I obviously gave the wrong person. Now, he goes on and he talks about mercy in the next couple of verses, in verses 30 and 31. See, your gift is a doorway to God's mercy for others. Your gift is the doorway for God's mercy to others. You may be the only door in some people's lives. You may be the only entry point for some people to ever experience the mercy of God. 
And so God says, your gift is a doorway to the mercy of God in verses 30 and 31. And then he goes on and he says in verses 33 and 36, he says, you remember that I'm God. You remember that I'm the one who created everything. You remember that I'm the one who really has done everything in this world. And he say, you may not know why your gift is important, but I do. You may not know why your gift is important, but I do. So let me go back and revisit We're looking at verses 29, and we're looking through verse 36 of Romans chapter 11. God's given you a gift that you're responsible for. Gifts are divine abilities. Callings are divine attitudes. You may be confused about your gifting, but God is not. His gifts and callings are without repentance. He knows why he called you. He knows why he positioned you. He knows why you're here. And your gift is a doorway to God's mercy to somebody. It is the entry point where someone's going to say, oh, there is a God. Oh, he is a good God. Oh, God loves me. Somehow God's going to use you as a point of mercy to others. And you may not know why God would have ever chosen someone like you, but he's God. He's got it figured out. You don't have to figure it all out. You just have to be obedient. You have to be faithful. You don't have to say, well, why would God use me? Well, why of all the people in the world, God is God. He has figured it out. So God's given you a gift. You're responsible for it. God's not confused. He knows why he gave it. Your gift is a doorway to God's mercy, and you may not understand everything that's going on in your life, but God does. That brings us to chapter 12. And chapter 12 introduces us to the ingredients which are needed for our leadership gifts to flourish. It gives us the ingredients that are necessary. So we start off with this premise. God's gifted everyone. God's called everyone. Everyone's gift and calling equips them to do what God has them to do. God is not going to change his mind and say, oh, whoops, I made a mistake. He's not going to do that. But when you get to chapter 12, he's now wrapping ingredients around and saying, okay, if you want to flourish in your gift, if you want to flourish in your calling, then these are the ingredients which are needed. The first one he talks about in verse one, and he talks about presenting yourself a living, holy sacrifice unto God. The first principle about being used by God, you to be used by God are going to have to make sacrifices. He said, present yourself as a living sacrifice, which is your spiritual duty. See, I get blown away in this world because everyone wants to ask the wrong questions. See, we want to ask, what do I want to do rather than what does God want me to do? We want to ask, well, what do I like to do rather than what does God want me to faithfully do? We want to make everything about our perspective and never about God's perspective. Here's what I can tell you about your gift. 
it is going to require sacrifices. It will be inconvenient. It will be something that at times you do not think you can do and you do not think you can accomplish, but it is a sacrifice. You do not utilize giftedness without sacrifice. If you're that good at something that you don't have to sacrifice, then it's probably ego and it's not God. Boy, did I say that out loud? Yeah, I did. See, gifts do not happen in the comfort zone. The comfort zone doesn't require sacrifice. Gifts are built on sacrifice. It is doing things you may not want to do so that God can use your life to do things he wants to do. So it's sacrifice, doing things you may not want to do so that God can do what he wants to do. So we're all going to make sacrifices. We're going to get out of our comfort zone and say, I don't think I can do that. We're going to get out of our comfort zone. I don't think I have time to do that. We're going to get out of our comfort zone. I don't think I know enough to do that. We are going to get out of our comfort zone. Gifts do not happen in your comfort zone. They are inconvenient. It is easier to be lazy than it is to be gifted. That's what he's saying. The number one reason that people who are gifted, who are called, do nothing with their gift and do nothing with their call is they're lazy. And because they're lazy, they can't be gifted because they like their comfort zone. Well, this is what I like to do. Well, this is what I want to do. Well, this is what I feel comfortable doing. None of those are Bible questions. See, when Jesus looked at his disciples, he said, take up the cross and follow me. There was no image of the cross that was positive in their society. He says, I want you to do the uncomfortable and I want you to go in ways that may be uncomfortable and do something meaningful for me. See, in our country, we want it about comfort. God wants it about commitment. Your commitments will probably mean there are times when you're not comfortable. So it's easier to be lazy than gifted. And then he goes on and he says, through the renewing of your mind in verse two, what is he saying? Gifts require that you think differently. Gifts require that you think differently. Here's the difference. My gift is not so I can think about what's best for me. My gift is so I can think about what's best for the kingdom of God. See, you have to think differently. See, years ago, I started teaching our church on leadership. And when I taught our church on leadership, here was the first thing I wanted to birth in them. When you become a leader, you lose the right to think about yourself. I've said that thousands of times in leadership forms everywhere. And the reason I say it is it is the initial beginning of leadership developing. Because as long as you're focused on you, you can't be focused on him and others. And this is where secular leadership fails. Secular leadership is based on the bottom line. It's based on our stock price, our P&E, 
our balance sheet. I will ignore people. I will run over people to have a better stock value. I will run over people to have a better P&E. I will run over people to be able to achieve the balance sheet. But see, when you become a Christian leader, it's different. I'm asking a question. Not what's best for me, but what is the impact that I can have on others? John the Baptist put it this way. He says, we decrease that he might increase. It becomes less about us and more about him. See, it's a different thought pattern. The person in the corporate world is just looking at the data that came in on Monday. How many of this did we sell? Now, someone says, are you saying we can't sell things and be a person of high value? No, I'm saying you can, but you're going to think differently because you're not just going to think value. You're going to think difference. And sometime you'll give away value to make a difference. And so you have to think differently. And so, as I like to tell people, I have people who walk in a room and their question is, who do I need to know that you know? When I walk in a room, my question is, who can I help? So, in life, if you're going to lead profoundly, you've got to think differently. In verse 3, it goes on and it says, a man should not, and remember the term man, male or female, uh, the man should not think of himself more higher than he should or lower than he should. And what he's saying is, is that gifts thrive in humility. Gifts thrive in humility. It's when there's humility that a gift can thrive. I'm not trying to think higher of me. Hey, I did this. How, how do you think I did? I'm not thinking lower of me. Hey, I can't do anything. In between the extremes of how well you do and how bad you feel, that's humility. Because humility is having a right perspective about who God has asked you to be. And so gifts thrive in humility. And then it says in there, we don't think higher than we ought to think. We don't think lower than we ought to think, but according to the proportion of faith that we've been given. And what he's saying is gifts are going to require you to believe. You're going to have to believe that God called you, that God equipped you, that God positioned you, and that God knows what he's doing. And that when you do things, God is going to be with you. Gifts cannot flourish without faith. You have to believe that God's hand is what you do, that one plants another waters, but God gives the increase. Except the Lord build the house, we labor in vain. It's only God that can take information and turn it into transformation. It's only God that can take a dead heart and cause it to be a live heart. It's only God that can take activities and turn them into meaning. And so you have to have faith. You have to believe that when you speak, you're speaking as a representative of God. You're communicating. So again, we're looking at the ingredients around. And what are the ingredients? Gifts require profound sacrifice. Gifts need you to think differently. Gifts thrive 
with humility and gifts work with faith. And gifts are not one size fits all. In verses four through six, he says, we all have gifts differing. He talks about how that every individual is different and how as individuals are different one from another, that God gives different gifts. So even though I tend to be a pastor teacher, not every pastor who teaches is going to pastor and teach just like me. And even though I'm a leader pastor teacher, not everyone who leads and pastors and teaches is going to do it just like me. So Paul begins to use different kinds of verbiage from his day to describe the differences of how gifts can be. And so I want to go through some of that verbiage and and maybe make it relevant to our society. So in verse six, it says, let him that prophesy prophesy. Well, that's a very biblical word and we don't diminish it because we believe in the prophetic and we believe in prophecy. But let me put it to you this way. He's saying that every gift has its own language and how it is to be expressed. Every gift has a language to it. So it's foolish for me to go into Germany and to be mad that people speak German. Or vice versa, people from Germany coming to America and being mad that people speak English. Well, why don't they speak my language? Well, every gift has a little bit different language to it, how it is expressed. Then he goes on in verse 7, and he talks about ministry. He says, let him that ministers have this ministry. And what he's talking about is the operation. Even as there are different languages for every gift, there are different ways that they operate. So for me, content is a very easy thing. I have friends who say it's not, but they're very, very operative in different areas that I'm not. And so the operation of the gift may just be a little bit different. So prophecy, the language, how it's expressed, ministry, the operation, how it begins to function, and then teach. Let him that teacheth teach. That's talking about information and education. Every gift requires base information to operate. It requires base insight. And so prophecy, the language is different. Ministry, the operation is different. Teaching, the information is different. And then exhortation, every gift needs encouragement. Hey, you're doing a good job. Way to go there. Keep doing it. We need you. We can't do this without you. Every gift is fueled by encouragement. And then it says, let him that gives, give. In verse 8, and he's talking about that every gift has to be shared. It has to be put in operation. It can't be hidden. It can't be isolated. And then in verse 8, it talks about diligence. Every gift requires discipline. And then cheerfulness in verse 8. Every gift requires a positive attitude. So let me go through. 
gifts are not one size fits all. And Paul uses these biblical words to describe the nuances of a gift. Prophecy, the language of the gift may be different. Ministry, the operation of the gift may be different. Teaching, the information needed to operate the gift may be different. Exhortation, the encouragement of the gift. Giving, the sharing, the putting out there of the gift. Diligent, the discipline of the gift. And cheerfulness, the attitude of the gift. Now, everything that I said to you is because one day you will stand before God. And you will give an account of your time, your talent, and your treasure. You're not going to get to say you didn't have enough time. You're not going to get to say that you were too tired to use your talent. And you're not going to get to say you were too poor to give treasure. Every individual that you impact will stand before God. Everyone in this world, people say, well, I don't believe in God. It doesn't matter. You will stand before God and you will give an account of whether you believe in him and then you will give an account of your time, your talent, and treasure. See, God views this whole thing differently. From his perspective, I've given you everything you need to succeed. Why don't you? Get off the bench. Get in the game. Don't sit there any longer. Someone is dependent on you to see the mercy of God. God's going to use you as a doorway, a mouthpiece, an example. You're going to be the doorway to the mercy of God, the example of living for God. You are going to be the mouthpiece where they learn of God. Somehow you are going to do that. So let's get on with it. Hey, I want to remind you that you can come to any of my upcoming events, May 30th, Spokane, June 11th, Las Cruces, June 25th, New Braunfels, July 9th, Roanoke. These are all on my webpage. Also, all my resources. If you do not have my leadership curriculum, I don't care if you're in business, I don't care in church, and you're not teaching it, you're missing an opportunity because that whole leadership curriculum takes you. It is the lessons I taught to get people to understand that when you become a leader, you lose the right to think about yourself. You need that. Hey, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate everything you do. Let's all go out there and let's make heaven bigger and the kingdom of God better. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to geraldbrooksministries.com.